Saturday with Colm O'Mungon on RTE Radio 1. Hello again. Leaders from the US, the UK and the EU are gathered at the European Security or the Munich Security Conference in Munich and EU and UK leaders are to hold talks on the fringes of that on the Northern Ireland Protocol. Despite reservations amongst Eurosceptic Tory backbenchers, there is talk of a deal. And Tonish de Michal Martin is also in Munich, Munich while the Taoiseach spoke this morning to the President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen. And they agreed to stay in close contact in the coming days as matters progress. Let's have a listen to what some of the main players have been saying. Well, today I had positive conversations with political parties in Northern Ireland about our ongoing discussions to resolve the Northern Ireland Protocol. It seems to us that it's very much game on and we're very heartened by that. It seems apparent that whilst he was not in a position to brief us about the detail, that things are gradually moving in the direction of a potential deal, but we are not over the line yet. I think the most important thing that the DUP and others need to realise is once this deal is done between the British government and the European Commission, there won't be any more negotiating. The decisions that will be taken by the Prime Minister and by the European Commission will either consign Northern Ireland to more division or they will clear a path towards healing and to the restoration of the political institution. I do believe the prospect is there of having an agreement possibly within a week. It's not finalised, we haven't all seen the final text yet, but we are getting there. Now, at the risk of raining on that musical parade, uh, Rishi Sunak has been speaking in Munich in the last half an hour or so. Let's have a listen to what he had to say about negotiations on the protocol when it was put to him that a deal, or when he was asked if a deal was imminent. I've been in Northern Ireland talking to parties there about the things that we need to fix. Uh, We're working through those. We're working through them hard and we will work through them intensely with the EU. But we are by no means done. There is no deal that is done. There's work to do and that's what we will set about doing. Rishi Sunak there speaking at the Munich Security Conference. Well, for the latest on this, I'm joined by Jane McCormack, Northern Ireland political correspondent with the BBC. Uh, Jane, good afternoon to you. Afternoon, Colin. We've gone from the dizzying international heights of the Munich Security Conference, but all politics is local and a (laughs) lot of this hinges on the DUP. So what scope is there there for the DUP to move or to frame any possible deal if it's along the lines of what we've been hearing so far, uh, as an acceptable win. Well, isn't it really interesting um, that Rishi Sunak at that conference today, Colm also talked about, he said there there is an understanding of what needs to be done. And I thought that was a pretty uh, veiled kind of dig at the DUP and saying, look, you know, he has come to them, met them yesterday, um, spelled out bits of the deal as much as he could with them. They now know um, that a lot of the heavy lifting over the next few days to get the political elements of this deal over the line very much depends on how they can sell that within unionist grassroots. And I think um, there will be discussions right throughout the weekend from the top of the DUP down to the very bottom of the party trying to set out if there is room for manoeuvre. Now, what we understand is that um, if a deal is reached over the next few days, um, that the intention from number 10 anyway would be to bring legislation to the Commons to get that through. That is interesting because 
Um, the language in that, I think if there's anything in that the DUP can use to say, well, look, we've managed not only to get changes to the protocol, we've actually managed to get legislation to override parts of it. That's something they've talked about for quite some time. So that's what that's what they're going to be hoping for. But at the same time, they're going to be coming under so much pressure from within other parts of unionism, not least the traditional unionist voice, that very hard line unionist party here in Northern Ireland who do not want compromise at all. Now, much as Rishi Sunak might say we're nowhere close to a deal, it takes a lot for a UK Prime Minister to travel to Northern Ireland personally, along with the Northern Secretary and a battery of officials, and to try and meet uh, the Democratic Unionist Party uh, on the quiet, as you were reporting uh, today. Yeah, um, and I mean... You know, that, that that all came about very last minute. Number 10 wanted to keep it private. Um, they hastily arranged meetings with the four other political party leaders. That, um, you played clips of them there. They got 15 minutes each. The DUP got um, the night before, which went on well into the small hours of Friday morning. And then they came back on Friday morning for further negotiations and spent another couple of hours with the Prime Minister and his officials. So... I thought it was really interesting that Jeffrey Donaldson, um, there was a real change of tone when he came out to speak to the press pack. He read from a pre-prepared note, which is not like Sir Jeffrey Donaldson. They wanted to strike um, a balance and they're walking a tightrope now because they want to get it right. Sir Jeffrey Donaldson talked about giving the Prime Minister now time and saying, like, we're, you know, we don't mind about the deadline. We want this to be the right deal. He said Rishi Sunak faces a big moment. But so does Sir Jeffrey Donaldson because he knows the risks of signing up to a deal, but he also knows the consequences for Northern Ireland if he doesn't back a deal. And who leads who on this? I mean, the European Research Group has treated the attitude of the DUP as a litmus test. But at the same time, if the ERG insist on absolutely no role for the European Court of Justice, does that put the DUP in a difficult position? I think that's a really interesting question. Um, I think ultimately um, the DUP's kind of final arbiter is not going to be the ERG, to be quite honest. I think they are going to be listening to what their own um, base is saying here. I think the other thing to bear in mind is that we have a council election, local government elections coming up in May. Um, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, within his own party, they may feel that now is not the time to compromise, which could potentially put them at risk in terms of polls uh, and keeping their numbers high. So that might actually be a bigger factor than what the ERG might have to say about it. The other thing you have to bear in mind is, of course, um, Rishi Sunak, while he might face a rebellion from his own MPs, if he brings this legislation through, Labour has already said that they'll help get it through. So, uh, you know, ultimately, I don't think the ERG is the biggest factor here. I think for Geoffrey Donaldson, it's about getting a deal that he can ultimately sell that allows him a way to get back in and deliver as well on those seven tests that he has so often talked about. Right. And just finally then, are there wings or factions within the DUP that Geoffrey Donaldson will have to bring on board or are they a pretty united party? It's been talked mm-hmm. about before that there are the MLAs and the MPs with the MPs taking a harder line analogous to the Tory right and the MLAs maybe being a bit more pragmatic on the deal-seeking uh, front. I think that's pretty spot on. I mean, you have to remember that these MLAs, they have, um, some of them newly elected last May after the Assembly election have yet to spend one full day in the chamber. They would very much like to be back in Stormont doing their job, not facing the criticism for getting paid for doing very little. Um, At the same time, you have 
more the more hardline MPs, the likes of Sammy Wilson, for example, um, who just a couple of days ago was insisting that if the role of the European Court of Justice is reduced but not removed in any final deal, then that's something the DUP won't be able to support. So you can see the different layers and levers that Jeffrey Donaldson is going to have to pull, even within his own party, before he can manage to come out and say more widely to take on other parts of unionism, to say, we are going to do this. Um, It is a hugely important moment for him. I think it's probably the biggest moment of his political career that he's ever going to face. All right, Jane McCormack, Northern Ireland political correspondent with the BBC. Thanks for joining us. So back to the panel here in studio. Neil Richmond. This is an area you've debated quite a bit in the British media over the years, maybe more years than you'd care to have been doing so. Do you think a deal is on the table? I do. I do think a deal is on the table. I think between the European Commission and the British government, ever since there was an agreement on sharing data and real-time information a number of weeks ago, it's made a deal very possible. Um, What I hope to see over the next um, coming days is that being thrashed out, um, the final detail being put forward and then legislation coming to Westminster. It's then, the difficulty is not getting it through. Would you be concerned about why legislation would be, why would legislation be needed in Westminster? We've already seen legislation brought forward in Westminster from this British government that would completely undermine protocol and other measures. So that needs to be reversed and that needs to be counteracted. But whatever deal will be agreed will be within the terms of the protocol and it will achieve the very clear aims that the European Commission, the Irish government, need the vast majority of people in these talks have wanted to maintain, ensuring there's no hard border in the island of Ireland, protecting the Good Friday Agreement. Um, and all the gains that came there, and also protecting uh, the European single market. The difficulty, and I fully agree with Jane, the difficulty here isn't the ERG. The ERG is reduced to maybe about 12 members at this stage. I met them before Christmas. Their two previous most outspoken people are now the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland and the Minister of State for Northern Ireland, who will play a serious part in getting this deal What about What about the rumoured return of Boris Johnson to the the theatre of mischief-making on this? I just learned this morning that he bought a house in the village where my auntie lives in Oxford, sir. So she's not exactly delighted about that. But I think he's been finding his niche in terms of issues in relation to global affairs in Ukraine. Is she getting concerned citizens together to demonstrate against it? Well, she's a, she was a staunch Remainer, needless to say, but that's a different story altogether. But to the more detail, I think the concern here is the DUP and ensuring that any deal leads ultimately to the restoration of the executive because that's what the people of Northern Ireland, be they unions, nationalists, other, really need at this stage. Richard Boyd, Barrett, your party has, uh, 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 well, it's an all-Ireland party. Yeah. So what's your view on this? Well, the, look, the DUP's bread and butter is to keep sectarian division going and to find excuses uh, to continue to stir up those sorts of divisions. And So you'd be less hopeful, would you, that they're amenable uh, to Well, team? no, because, you see, the thing that gives me hope, but it's the thing that isn't talked about enough, is on Tuesday there are going to be massive strikes all over the North and we are going to see teachers and public sector workers coming out, Catholic and Protestant, together on picket lines fighting for better paying conditions, fighting for measures to deal with the cost of living crisis. And, of course, that represents a mortal threat to the DUP because their whole politics is about keeping people separate and finding excuses to keep people separate. So I hope there's a deal that gets that issue off the pitch and allows the politics that actually matter to ordinary people on the ground to begin to come to the fore. And I think the strikes next week are an example of that. And, of course, the other 
subtext to all of the DUP's uh, concerns about the protocol are actually its uh, its refusal, reluctance, uh, abhorrence at the idea of accepting that there might be a, a Sinn Féin First Minister. Of course, you know, they won't say that's the reason, but we know uh, th that they don't want to see that happen. And I just hope that they can be swept aside by the desire of ordinary people, Catholic and Protestant in the North, to, to do away with sectarianism and actually address the issues that affect working class people, uh, both Catholic and Protestant. In Jennifer the North. Whitmore. Yeah, so I think look at a deal would obviously be incredibly welcome um, and long overdue. Um, I, I I agree with Richard. I think when you talk to people from the north, that the issues that are really important and, and, and impacting on their lives at the moment are things like the cost of living and public services and it, like Northern Ireland has really been in a political paralysis for for you know a year now. So it's it would be absolutely fantastic to see. A move away from that where those issues that are impacting on communities whether you know uh, Protestant or Catholic they're actually uh, are being dealt with and you know so hopefully we are getting there and hopefully you know this isn't a, a false dawn. Right. Um, Neil Richmond the seven tests outlined by the DUP which didn't include a specific reference to the role of the European Court of Justice um, being the final arbiter in, in rules of the single market um, do you think those seven tests necessarily have to be met or at least have the appearance of meeting them anyway for the purposes of the DUP having the cover to go in uh, and, and agree to any deal? The ironic thing is the easiest way to meet those seven tests would be for the UK to rejoin the European Union, but that's not on the table. Um, I think they can be met, but it's really the DUP have a very fluid approach. Um, to this, to these matters. The amount of times, bear in mind, the DUP for two years held the balance of power in Westminster. A deal was crafted by Theresa May to meet their major concerns and they still rejected it. What I hope to see over the next coming days is a sensible agreement that works in the interest for all sides that limits the damage of Brexit overall but crucially protects people in Northern Ireland and allows the DUP to stand up to what is an extremely fringe element, not of their own party, but of loyalism and say we need to put the people in Northern Ireland first. We need to get an executive back up and running um, ahead of lots of other things, challenges facing down the line that are extremely stark and starting to really hurt people on the ground, regardless if they're unionist, nationalist or other. All right. Knowing what we know now about the trouble that the Northern Ireland Protocol has caused, just whatever it, its good intentions were, when Boris Johnson came to Leo Varadkar with this idea, do you think in hindsight maybe a bit more due diligence on the proposal would have been required at the time? No, because I think there was extreme due diligence. And bear in mind, this wasn't just a one-off. This is the result of years of negotiation. But ultimately, what you had is you had a prime minister and a lead negotiator, Lord Frost, who months after agreeing a treaty decided for political means to tear it up. Now we see when Boris Johnson leaves office, a lot of this is down to Rishi Sunak, but even Liz Truss were able to change the tone of the relationship, both Anglo-Irish and EU-UK. EU -UK. And I think we're now in a situation when those political figures have been removed and we have an opportunity to agree an agreement between the Commission and the British government that will allow us then move on to further areas in the post-Brexit mess to clear up. OK, we'll see if the newest resident of Oxfordshire has anything to say about that maybe next week. Well, something that is coming down the tracks next Tuesday is measures on the cost of Living. We're going to look at that after this. Saturday with Colm Mungon on RTE Radio 1. Right now, rising energy costs are impacting many Irish businesses. Business owners need to be aware that the government's temporary business energy support scheme is here to help. 
If you're a trade or profession, tax compliant and have experienced a 50% or more year-on-year -year gas or electricity price increase, you're entitled to make a claim. Deadlines for making claims are approaching. Claim today at revenue.ie. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. The toll of the Turkey-Syria earthquake grows every day. And right now, survivors desperately need your help as they fight to survive the freezing winter cold. The Irish Emergency Alliance is a group of leading humanitarian agencies working together to get food and water, warm clothes and shelter to the families devastated by this disaster. But time is running out. Your support will save lives. Please give now at emergencyalliance.ie or call 1-800-939-979. Are you watching the rugby, says El Mr Brennan? I am, says I. Come here to me. What do you think of the other team's bread? Like what, says he? French baguettes. Can't fit them in the toaster. No use. All right, says I. What about focaccia? You can't use that kind of language on the radio. So none of it beats Brennan's family pan anyway. To put it in rugby terms, it's the only one that's worth a try. <laughs> Brennan's. Today's bread today. They say a picture paints a thousand words and that the camera never lies. Come explore Imaging Conflict, a photographic exhibition now on at the National Museum of Ireland Collins Barracks Dublin in collaboration with Photo Museum Ireland. Over 150 previously unseen images dating from the revolutionary era of 1913 to 1923. Admission is free. Visit museum.ie. RTE supporting the arts. Supporting artists. Supporting us.